On Intech Today this week, you can now chat with an artificial intelligence to find out when the next bus is arriving. But what's the point really? And British Telecom has shown off new technology that can transmit internet at a massive 13 terabits per second. So why is the average fibre connection still 650,000 times slower than that? And our techno dinosaur has heard some advice on keeping her laptop's hard drive in tip-top shape. We find out if it's true. As always, you can join the conversation on Twitter. We're at InTechTodayPod. I'm Josh White. I'm Ed Swift. And this is your fuss-free, low-fat, no-frills guide to the week in technology, gadgets and the internet. It's InTech Today. Hi. Hi. Hi, Ed. How's it going? How are you? I'm I'm shattered, to be uh, honest. It's been a long week. It has. This is episode 18. 18. Well, we can drink. We can drink. We can vote. We can enlist. We, uh, can you enlist at 17 in the UK? Maybe. I'm not sure. I know you 17. can back in New Zealand. Um, we can go to the casino. Yes, we can go to the casino. Ooh, oh, no, can we? No, that's 20 back home. Here, yeah, I think we can here, but the casinos aren't as good. Yeah, true. Um, um, we can't drink in America. That's the only thing. Yeah, but we're not so here. if you're listening to the, us in America, we're not drinking because that is wholly illegal. Except for in Puerto Rico. If you're listening in Puerto Rico, hey, cheers! Um, we're not going to America for at least three episodes, so we're okay, fine. That's good. Until at least episode 21. Okay, cool. Um, and then we can party. When I believe uh, some airline is coming on board, Ukraine National Airlines or something. Oh, nice. U- sorry, Ukraine International. Oh, um, okay. That makes all the difference. Genuinely the worst airline I've ever flown on, but that's a story not to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show, episode 18. We've got a few things to talk about this week, yep. obviously. But first of all... We need to touch on something that is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, in the last 36 hours, those pictures of the Grenfell Tower mm. uh, apartment block here in London, just a couple of miles from the studio here actually, have gone around the world. Um, and, and I mean, we're not going to get into the details of it. It's just horrific. So what we wanted to say was um, there are ways that you, our audience, can help out. There's a number of local organisations uh, and London-based funds and things like that that mm. are accepting monetary donations, and we're going to put links to where you can find out how to donate on our Twitter and Facebook pages almost immediately after this live stream mm. um, has finished because it, it is, yeah, it, 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 it's horrible. It is, and especially for a city that's, you know, this is the second major tragedy in the space of two weeks mm-hmm. um tack on third, to that i mean third, third and the well, fourth for the uk in the last couple of months yes yeah, it's, it's it's just devastating and you know obviously our thoughts and prayers are with all those completely um that are affected and um and our thanks to all those who have you know who have been brave you know firefighters police all the people that are actually being yeah. on the scene helping yeah. out all the, all those local volunteers down there it's been it, it, i mean we do say this every disaster but it it, it doesn't get old it doesn't get stale to say it's so heartwarming to see just local people mucking in and helping out at a time like this but Mm. obviously the news of this is still breaking and it's horrible but there are ways you can help if you are in london there have obviously been calls in the last 24 hours for physical donations toiletries clothes uh, food things like that pretty much all the rescue centers are now saying that they have what they need Mm. um so don't take any more. You will overwhelm them. But over the next few days, they probably will need more. So 
we'll keep an eye out on on the social um, feeds. Again, technology, social media is is helping people to organise this relief effort. Um, but we'll keep an eye on that, and and if we see any centres or any organisations need physical donations from our London listeners, uh, we'll certainly be helping out, and we'll let you know how you can help out mm-hmm. as well. But for now, there are some funds open that you can just give what you can to if you can obviously would be it, it's, massively it's amazing that they've raised over a million pounds just in, just in 24 hours, hours yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely amazing yeah the, genera- the generosity of people yeah mm. um but yeah we will we will leave that topic where it is yeah. um we'll get on with what we were going to talk about we'll we'll move on to just very briefly Bit of a clunky gear change. It is. It is. That's which is a, fine. Which is it's fine. It's a hard gear change to make, but I've got I've got a rant <laughs> to make. Go so on. you're obviously watching or listening to this Hi. in tech today uh, online. Mm-hmm. We're an online show. We're a webcast, and being online, we need to be across multiple channels. And something we hadn't touched before was Instagram. Yeah. Um, but we thought we should be there. Are we going to take photos of our food while we're... Um... Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Or we're just going to take selfies in Carrie's PC World <laughs> every time Ooh. we're there. In tech um, today. In tech shops yeah. today. Um, no. So That's the next podcast. <laughs> so we thought we should be on Instagram. And so last night, I uh, I, I set up an account mm-hmm. um, and, you know, got the username, put up our logo as the profile picture, um, and then I put up a photo to promote today's show and it was a photo of a London bus in front of St Paul's to because later on in fact next we're going to talk about uh, Transport for London is trying out some artificial intelligence nice. um, so just to promote today's show I put that up yeah, very classic some hashtags that, that sort of thing and then I followed a few other technology news accounts um, because that way we would have a feed that we could see what other, uh, perhaps our peers and our competitors are doing, that sort of thing. Just basic. Not, not to spy on them, of course, just to share yeah. love as well. Basic Instagram business um, things. Mm. Within two minutes of me setting up the account and posting that first <laughs> photo, I was locked out and the account was suspended. What? For what Instagram called suspicious activity. Well, I mean, you do have a bit of a suspicious looking beard. <laughs> True, but there were no photos of me on there and they've never suspended my personal Instagram account, to be fair. They um, should have with that beard. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, all right. No, fair. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so, it, I, was, I mean, I was dumbfounded, yeah. obviously. What is going on here? So, I it said you can contest this decision, uh, but only in the app. So, I tried to log in again in the app and clicked on the option to contest, and it took mm-hmm. me to a form where I could fill out the business details. Um, Parktown Studios Limited and uh, our account name and my name and contact details and all of that. And then I had I wanted, um, it said, in order to help out, you need to attach a document that proves the existence of this business. Mm. So I did have an electronic copy of the Parktown Studios uh, Certificate of Incorporation. Um, and I tried to attach that. And the attach file button did nothing. Oh, no. Didn't even open files or anything. <laughs> So I couldn't do it. It didn't work on my tablet. It didn't work on my phone. So it's not a device issue. It's not a device okay, issue. Cool, and I couldn't do it online. It said you can only contest in the app. Mm. So I did some Googling. And it turns out that Instagram does this to thousands of businesses. Wow. Just whatever algorithm algorithm they have for uh, identifying accounts that, are, that have suspicious activity is broken, clearly. Mm. And they are locking businesses out of their accounts immediately. And 
everyone is having problems with attaching files to this form. Mm. So what uh, one, or no, it was actually a few um, websites I came across suggested was fill out this form, don't attach your document. Just even though it says you must attach your document, just don't attach your document and send it anyway. And I did that. Within five minutes, I had a reply into our uh, business email account that said um, in order to prove you're the account owner, we need you to write handwritten this eight or nine digit code mm. on a piece of paper along with your full name and I think I had to put the business name as well mm. and then hold it up and take a selfie like but your whole hand has to be visible the writing needs to be clear your face needs to be clear and then email that back to us so they wanted you to do that even though they had never seen your face on no. this Instagram account no and my name was not associated with the Instagram account because it was an Instagram account for this podcast it was mm. a business account with a business name attached to it yeah so they had no idea who I was mm -hmm. or whether I was attached to the business um and yet that's what they needed and they didn't ask for any proof that the business existed or anything like that. They just wanted a photo of me with this piece of paper, which I did send. And to their credit, within 12 hours, we're back in the account and the account now exists. So please go and follow us uh, in Tech Today podcast, I believe, on Instagram. Mm. But the fact that so many businesses are being hit by this bad algorithm that's locking them out of their accounts and then... Um, have to jump through hoops. I mean, having to take a selfie with a piece of paper and a code on it, A, it doesn't mm. prove anything to Instagram. B, it's a real hassle. And C, so many people will get to that form and can't upload anything, so just give up. Yeah. I mean, from Instagram's point of view, I can see why they have to do it. I mean, if you think about how many fake accounts there are that are yeah. trying to sell likes and, you know, basically say, give us money, we'll promote your Instagram posts and give you more followers and all that jazz. Oh, totally. I can see why they're doing it. So they've obviously made some sort of algorithm that says, okay, if there's a new user and they follow so many accounts that, you know, not not of Facebook friends or anything, but yeah. so many accounts within a certain time frame, however yeah. many it was, um, it's, it will just automatically shut, shut it down. And I can... You know, I can totally see that. The number of people that like my post, that then I go into their profile and say, hold on, who's this? And then I realize, no, this is a fake account. Someone's yeah. just trying to, you know, take my money. I'll just block them straight away. Yeah. I can see why they have to do it. That being said, when you're actually a legitimate person or a legitimate business and you're having these issues, it's not very helpful, especially when yeah. the form doesn't work. Well, I can, and like you say, you can see that that might happen when... Instagram sees that you've like followed a lot of other accounts very quickly. But when you start up an account, that's exactly what they encourage you to do. Yeah. They're like, follow some accounts that are associated with your interest or your business or things like that, which was precisely what I was doing. So it was super annoying. Mm -hmm. um, it's clearly a, a widespread problem across Instagram, which must be really pissing a lot of people off. Um, so yeah, I guess our official Intech Today call is Instagram, sort your crap out. Just do it now. Mm. After all that, on to our first major topic first, of the show. First main point, and, and the topic of that photo that I put on Instagram Exactly, yesterday. that London bus. Because transport for London here in the UK... Well, specifically in London. In London. <laughs> well, you know... Trans London and the suburbs. Well, the greater London area. Yeah. 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 Anyway, TFL over here. Um, they've come out with an announcement this week that they've said, look, we're going to actually automate a lot of our customer services service through 
Facebook Messenger, yeah. which is fantastic. I mean, this isn't the first time that we've seen this. Uh, you know, the first stage of so years and years and years ago when you called up an 0800 number for support and it would say... 1-800 for those listeners on the other side of the Atlantic or Australia. And for those... Or Ireland, actually, I think is 1-800 too. Ooh, really? Yeah. I think UK and New Zealand are 0800. Yeah. And I don't know about anywhere else. <laughs> anyway, details. <laughs> a toll-free um, number. A toll-free number. You'd yeah. call up. And they'd say, welcome to so-and-so. Press one for this. Press two for this. This was the first stage of sort of yeah. automation. I mean, well, it didn't exactly automation. It didn't exactly answer any queries, but at least filtered it through to the right yeah. department so you wouldn't have to talk to someone who then would have to put you through to the right place. But that immediately got rid of a, what was qu- uh, quite a major job in big offices, mm. the switchboard operator. Yeah. Gone. Gone. Overnight. Just replaced by uh, a PBX, which is the machine that does that. Press yeah. one. Um, yeah. It then got to the next stage where it wasn't even press one. It was so. How can we help you? Oh. In a few words, tell us what you want to what you want help with. <laughs> We've all had problems I with these hate phone those. numbers. For any businesses that are listening, I'm really sorry. I absolutely hate them because I try to say it, especially here in the UK, because it doesn't understand my accent half the time. Well, yeah. And even I mean, if it no does, can, then they ask you a whole lot of other questions. It's like, oh, can I just talk to someone? So yeah. whenever those happen, here's like here's a handy tip for you guys. When you get hold, when you get those automated, so how can I help you? Say customer services, and they'll put you straight through to a representative. Or if that doesn't work, just start swearing to the blue in the face, and be like, <laughs> okay, this guy really needs help. It, it, that has worked for me in the past, actually. Um, when I tried saying customer services, and it was like, sorry, did you mean? And I just, I just. I didn't mean to start swearing. I just started swearing at it out of anger. And it and just it worked. put you through. Yeah. Nice. I just probably Sorry. got a mark on your file now saying this, this customer is this, hostile. This guy's angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Angry at Instagram. Angry at customer services. What just, else can we just be angry chill. at? Oh, just chill. Just breathe. Breathe in. Breathe out. Oh, the air is too warm. Uh, breathe it's in so again. Thick. And breathe out. Ooh, thanks, Ed. Anyway. Yeah. In recent years, it has now been automated at online situations as well. We've yeah. seen this, um, and we'll touch on what TFL is doing uh, in a second, but we've seen this through Facebook Messenger. Yeah. You know, you can send a message to a company and you'll get an automatic reply. Sometimes it will be an advanced automatic reply saying, okay, do you want to know? It, it's it's the so how can I help you sort yeah. of thing where they'll ask you for a keyword and then they'll start giving you answers or start giving you a bit of help through uh, what you reply with. Yeah. Um, Twitter does this as well. Uh, a number of companies have set this up so that you can just start a DM and you'll get a response straight away with an automated response saying, you know, okay, well, you know, and, and pushing you in towards particular directions that they've defined. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, this has come up this week because Transport for London have launched what they call Travelbot. What it will do is it will chat chat uh, with customers on Facebook Messenger to instantly tell them when their bus is due to arrive. It can provide service updates, tube maps, um, which is all well and good, but you can do that through the website. You can do that through a number of their apps because they've opened up their API, so you can just you know log on to City Mapper and find out when my bus is coming yeah. uh, and even plan your route that way. It can also connect customers with a, an actual customer service agent, which is, okay. which is good. So yeah. it's not completely cutting out the human the human side of it. But I guess it is just filtering out a lot of that crap that probably comes through that says that, you know, some guy in, uh, you know, in the part of London saying, oh, when's my bus due? And then them having to say, which bus is it? Where are you? Which yeah. stop are you at? You know, it does filter out a lot of that crap, which from their point of view is fantastic. The danger is though, um, it does start to filter out customer service. As you mentioned with the switchboard um, earlier on, where they used to transfer people to particular departments, 
that went overnight. Yeah. This is more possible jobs that could go. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they're saying this travel bot will do, they're saying it will learn and become more precise as people use the service. So not only is it um, artificial, it, it's also learning. It's also, um, you know, picking up things, picking up, you know, picking up bad spellings and all that sort yeah. of stuff. It will learn how to actually understand customers better as they develop it. Um, as I mentioned, this isn't the first one. We've seen this uh, through a number of uh, through a number of Facebook pages. Um, earlier this year, uh, when Donald Trump was voted in as the president and uh, his inauguration was happening, they, um, the Women's March yeah. uh, was happening. Um, and I was trying to get someone on for a show I produce at Talk Radio. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll email the press office. Didn't get any response. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just send a message through Facebook Messenger through to their page. Yeah. Got a response instantly. But again, it was sort of like this. It was sort of that automated response, you know, looking for keywords saying, okay, well, we can help you with that. And it didn't answer my query at all. Never got a response <laughs> in the end, which was a bit of a pain. Yeah. Especially when, you know, you're trying to set up for a show in two days' time and you've got plenty of time up your sleeve. As I said, it does have some positives and negatives. The good is it does filter out all the dumb requests that you get, like when is my bus due, and having to go through all those steps about, um, you know, well, where are you, which bus, which bus are you trying to catch, which way are you going, all that sort of stuff. Um, that being said, I think people, when they want to get in touch with customer service, they, they want to interact with a person. I don't know about you, but when I want to get in touch with a company, I don't want to be talking to a robot that can answer my query. Well, yeah. they, or they can try to answer my query because yeah. chances are I've probably already Googled it. I've probably already tried to find out what the answer is and it hasn't helped. So that's why I've gone to the customer service side. I want to have a chat with someone that can try and fix it. There is nothing worse than layer after layer after layer of automated mm. menus or customer service or something that just puts up barriers between you and a real person. And I mean, like you said, this... Customer service automation has been going on for a long time, from the Press One days in uh, it's probably the late 80s, those sort mm. of came about, early 90s, through to today when we've got this um, messenger with, with TFL that can answer your, your bus questions. Mm. But through all of that and all of these advances in customer service technology, the one thing that multiple market research studies come back with is, uh, as a customer, I want to speak to a real person. Mm. So... That yeah, I just yeah, it's 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 very odd that that company. I mean, obviously it's for cost reasons, always yeah. for cost reasons. Of course, that companies push us through, and it makes sense. I mean, you don't want people sitting there at the end of a phone or at the end of a computer saying, uh, you know, answering those questions about when a bus is coming when they can look it up themselves. That yeah, true. But there will always be a subset of people who who won't look it up themselves, of course, or don't course. want to look it up themselves, or don't have the um the the, the knowledge or skills or um ability to look it up themselves. So they will want to talk to someone. Mm. So it's, yeah. So, so I find it odd that companies are constantly pushing this kind of thing through for cost-saving reasons when customers say they want to speak to real people and surely customer satisfaction comes into it at yeah. some point. The other thing I find very strange is what's the point of this? Because <laughs> with Transport for London, and this goes for multiple cities around the UK, uh, around Europe, the world, that have uh, extensive public transport networks, if I want to find out when the next bus is, I have multiple ways to do that already. I can, there are, there's a number of apps developed by both, uh, I mean, the TFL website, they have a web service that will tell me when I put in my bus stop address mm -hmm. or number. Uh, there's a number of third-party apps that do that. Uh, if you're at a bus stop and you don't even have a smartphone, you've got an old-school phone, you can text your bus stop number and it will reply with how far away the buses are. Mm. Um, and then probably about half of bus stops already have a, 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 a sign that tells you when the next bus is coming. Yeah. Um, 
so this it seems like an unnecessary extra thing yeah. uh, in a way that the TFL has this robot now to tell me when the next bus is coming. I just I, I can kind of see the point. It's this layer on top of customer service that that deals with the superfluous uh, queries before they get to a real person. Mm. But at the same time, I don't think that I think most people who are going to be chatting with TFL don't have superfluous queries. They yeah. want to talk to a real person, and this extra layer is just going to annoy them because if you if they wanted to find out when the next bus was coming, they would do that already. Exactly. I mean, we see this a lot with a lot of customer service, not just TFL, but uh, you know, other across the board. Co- across really, the yeah. board. Yeah. I, I, ha- I was having a dealing with um, BT a couple of weeks ago because yeah. um, they've been streaming the America's Cup. Yes. Well, they have they have the rights for it, and they were streaming the first twelve days for free online very nice of them i must say very kind thank you bt for allowing me to watch the america's cup and watch new zealand uh well get to the finals at least and then their free stream kind of cut out because they of course now you must pay now i've got to pay now that new zealand has done well you must pay yes i know i know anyway i was having a dealing with them (laughs) because the link on their website i i I, my phone was dead so it was charging so i couldn't use the bt sport app right and i was trying to access the link through their website and it wasn't working it kept coming up with an error page so naturally my first port of call is to actually to tweet them yep. because I know that I am going to get an instant response because it's very public. Yep. Um, and B, they'll be able to point me either in the right direction or help me out straight away. Yeah. It turns out they pointed me towards their um, online chat customer care service, which was fine. You know, they can't necessarily deal with every single thing that comes through on Twitter. Um, so, I, you know, I talked to this chat. Well, it wasn't really a chat bot. It was a call center somewhere. Um, I, I don't know where it was, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't in the UK. Yeah. Um, script right yeah script yeah. and every first message I got was exactly worded the exact same way and I went through three different people mm. through this whole encounter but the thing is the customer service people had no idea what the offer was I was trying to say yeah no it's it's free streaming of the first 12 days of the America's Cup and they said oh well sorry you don't have a BT sport pack so <laughs> so you you can't stream this however but it's free but it's free and it says it's yeah. free whether you're a subscriber or not and I kept having to go through this and then yeah. they put me onto somebody else and I had to go through all this all over again Fix the problem myself anyway. It turns yeah. out they put an apostrophe in the URL. Okay. <gasps> I think it's got some problems with BT. Anyway, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got <laughs> fine my 12. I've, I got 11 out of my 12 days. Actually, 10 out of my 12 <laughs> days of streaming, yeah. um, which was okay. Can't um, complain too much about something you didn't pay for, I exactly. suppose. That, that is yeah. the other side of it. But, you know, customer service know it, should know their products as well. Yeah. Anyway, that's a complete tangent, and that's probably a topic for another day. Yes. But... You know, this is another layer. Sure, it's going to get rid of some of those superfluous requests that, you know, don't need to be answered through a customer service agent. But is it actually needed when there are so many other ways that those queries can be answered? I don't know. No. No, I don't get it at Mm. all. And now we talk more about BT. Oh, good old BT again. Hello. Um, Hi, BT. British Telecom, of yep. course, uh, or British Telecommunications, as their official full name is. Um, BT for short. So, yeah. So, basically, uh, news came out in the last couple of days that BT have been testing something in association with uh, the big Chinese tech giant Huawei um, here in the UK um, to do with the fiber backbone. And so, brief explanation, the fiber backbone is the uh, glass fiber optic network between exchanges, basically. Between it's, those green cabinets in your local neighborhood. Um, green cabinets, the big phone exchanges, which are still in huge windowless 
buildings all over the country. Um, data centers, mm-hmm. of which there are a few. So it, it, you can think of it like the motorway of the internet. You've got your local roads, which go up and down the streets, and the driveway into your house, which is uh, the connection to your modem. But then the fiber backbone is the motorway that, that say, if you're in London and you're connecting to a website that's hosted on a server in Leeds, it will go out your modem, up to the exchange, and then onto the fiber backbone, i.e. the very fast, high-capacity motorway. It's, don't mess your turn off. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, a, um, <laughs> it's a very important part of, of the internet to maintain this backbone to ensure mm-hmm. that data can travel around the country and in any path it needs to freely. Yeah. Um, so last BT and BT being the operator of most of the fiber backbone in the UK is constantly trying to improve it last year they achieved what at the time was a huge 5.6 terabits per second that is massive um, to put that in perspective a terabit is a million megabits uh, I think it's either a million or 10 million it's it's a lot it's and 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 your typical home connection in the UK is 20 megabits so yeah, it's there's a yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. a lot. What, what do we say at the beginning? Like six hundred and fifty thousand. Well, not this particular measure. Oh, but so they five point six terabits last year on on a single fiber thick fiber cable. And you know, if they lay a few of those, they can get some pretty good throughput on that. Mm. Um, and that was using and getting a little technical here, which which we don't we try not to do on the podcast. But basically, what it's doing is a fiber cable is glass, as we know. Yep. And to transmit data on a fiber cable, you use pulses of light. Uh, instead of the traditional copper cable with pulses of electricity. Mm. And that's why it's so fast, because light travels a lot faster than electricity. Mm. So what BT do is they use different wavelengths of light down the fiber at the same time. Each wavelength can carry 200 gigabits per second, a gigabit being 1,000 megabits. Again, your typical yep. home connection is 20 megabits. So we're talking big numbers here. Yep. And, they can, and by using different wavelengths of light... Like technically, it's amazing mm. that they can do this. Um, so now they've developed a technique which combines wavelengths that can carry 400 gigabits per second okay. uh, over a single fiber to achieve speeds of more than 13 terabits per second, which, that- like you said, is 650,000 times faster than the typical high-speed broadband connection to a UK household. That's a lot. That's a lot of data. That's a lot of rented movies from the Google Play Store in seconds. Yeah. So, And and they need that kind of throughput on the fibre backbone. So it's great that they're developing this fibre backbone. But what um, they they have... This technology for 13 terabits per second is not in use yet. They've tested it, though, extensively over a 250-kilometre link between uh, Ipswich and Bishop Stortford, which is close to Stansted Airport, just out of London. Mm. Um, Yeah, so they've tested it over 250 kilometres, a long distance. Yeah. And it it works. That's good. Yeah. So they have this. 13 terabits a second they can now achieve, and they'll no doubt roll that out to ensure that fibre backbone is maintained. Meanwhile... I'm sitting here <laughs> at my house, and I have the fastest fiber connection my line can handle, and it is uh, 80 megabits per second, which, quick calculation in my head, is about 170,000 times slower than that 13 terabits. That's a, that's You're missing out a lot, lot of data there. Although, if you think about it, if everyone had that 13 terabit per second speed, yeah. or, or even you know a bigger slice of that... yeah. Wouldn't that just clog up this this fiber motorway? Well, Wouldn't it just be like rush hour heading into London? That would be true if, say, you had this motorway. 
and everyone had a decent connection, i.e. turbocharged Range Rovers. Big, bulky, fast, take up a lot of space, can easily clog a road. Mm. Um, But at the moment, you've got this 10-lane motorway that can carry 13 terabits. So we'll say that's a 10-lane motorway. Mm. And everyone's got a 50cc scooter. So it's not going to clog it up. No. It can't go very fast. And this is the problem. This is what I'm getting to. <laughs> what we have is this huge disparity between what BT is developing for their backbone network, for their business customers, for their uh, data center customers, and what they're developing for home customers. So they're, they've developed this fiber network that can now carry 13 terabits per second. Meanwhile, they are doing everything but refuse to lay glass fiber to households. Mm. So really, I just wanted to bring up the story to add to this uh, complaint that I've had multiple times, this <laughs> campaign we have, that here in Britain we are ripped off for internet mm. um, because we pay for fibre connections and none of us, almost none of us, has a real fibre connection. Uh, my fibre connection at home ends on a phone line, an old copper phone line. I know yours does too. Yep. Uh, people with uh, other types of fibre, namely Virgin, uh, their fibre connection ends at an ageing TV cable, also made of copper. Um, in other countries, they're laying glass fibre. They're putting it down, connecting it up to houses so that people can get the speeds that they need in the future. Um, and that would be, laying down this glass fibre would be akin to upgrading from your 50cc uh, scooter, moped, mm. to, let's say, a... Oh, I don't know. Uh, let's go for an Opal or Vauxhall here in the UK. A Vauxhall Astra station wagon, three litre, turbocharged. Mind. I wouldn't mind one of those. So it's 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 big, can fit the whole family, can go at a decent speed. Practical, not N- too excessive. Not o- not OTT. Exactly, exactly. Not like it's not like you're getting a Ferrari, for example. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So that's the that's what annoys me. Mm. And that you're stuck on a 50cc scooter. And it is annoying. Um, We have seen moves lately to redefine what fibre means in the UK, which could force ISPs to upgrade to actual fibre. We've seen moves from Ofcom, which is the regulator for communications, to to open up BT's poles and ducts where their cable is late. That's ducts, not T, not not ducts, ducts, um, to open up their poles and ducts so that other providers can lay fibre cable. but but it's all very slow moving, yeah. and and no one seems to have the hunger, the energy, the drive to actually go ahead and do this, and that is going to leave Britain behind, sadly. Mm. So, my Step call up, once again is to get your A into G and just lay some fibre to consumers, and then maybe Britain will be able to compete on a digital level. No dinosaur time. Oh yeah, my favourite time of the episode oh. is when we get to. Well, I mean, we we answer her question. Yeah. But we also get a little payback out of this because we get to have a little giggle at her question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, her question this week is actually quite. Um, it's it's good. Okay. It, ma- it makes it's something that I heard about probably about twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. But it's a question that certainly hasn't aged. Yep. Um, and you're going into this blind, aren't you? A little bit. Yeah, well, I, I haven't heard this question before. Okay. Well, I've got. I mean, yeah. It, 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 there's, some, there's a good answer to it. So, it, okay. I'm I'm ready to to blow yours and Michelle's mind. I'm ready. So, someone told me that if you uh, move your laptop while you're using it, it damages the hard disk. Is that right? 
Yes. Really? Mm. That explains a lot. <laughs> so, well, these days it depends on what kind of hard drive of you have. But again, this, this I actually almost destroyed an old laptop of mine in about 2005 because of this. So most sort of low and mid-range laptops these days still have a classic hard drive and a classic magnetic hard drive. And that means a series of round magnetic discs Mm. spinning on top of each other in a stack inside your laptop with little magnetic um, arms to read the data. Mm. And that's why when you're looking for a file or doing something super hard on your laptop, it starts to go and get quite warm because those discs are spinning. Yeah. So, so that's a moving part. And while sort of advances have been made to keep them balanced more or less, when, you, when it's turned on and reading the disc and you pick it up and move it, there's a risk that one of those discs goes out of balance and scratches that particular disc. And it does happen. And you will notice that if you go to, say, Curry's PC World or, or mm-hmm. any retailer and you go and look for a laptop, they'd be under the heading Notebooks. Okay. Because, and for, they're under notebooks these days for a couple of reasons. One, they, laptops get very hot yep. and could burn your lap. So companies don't want to call them laptops to say, look, they're not lap. You're not supposed to do that. Laptop kind of just feels like an old world term yeah. when it comes to tech. The other reason they call it that is because if it's on your lap and you move a little bit, again, you could scratch this hard drive. So two ways to avoid it. One, have it on a flat surface when yep. you're using it. Um, and don't pick it up and move it about when it's turned on. Um, mm-hmm. You can put it to sleep and then move it because the hard disk is, is asleep when you put it to sleep. Uh, or buy a laptop with a solid state drive. I was going to say, because that's like when you were talking about your laptop, you said an old laptop. Yes. And that is the technology that it was that has been used previously and is becoming less and less common now. Isn't it, it is. It is. So my, my current laptop has a solid state drive, which means I can, if it's turned on, I can pick it up and juggle it if I wanted to. And it couldn't Go scratch. On. Go on. Show us for the stream. Oh, you know, there are other things that could break <laughs> if I juggle it, but the hard drive would be fine yeah. because there's no moving parts in a solid state drive. As but, long as you didn't drop it off the balcony. Yeah. But solid state memory is still very expensive, especially at that upper end when you're looking to get 500 gigabytes, a terabyte, the kind of space you need on a laptop. So laptops with solid state hard drives are still quite expensive, which is why you're sort of low to mid-range, your typical laptops that you will purchase, uh, Windows laptops. I'm specifically talking about all Macs, I believe, are solid state now. Mm. Um which is good because the price on them is, and I've said this before, but they are too damn expensive. Um, But yeah, so you're still going to get that moving parts hard drive. So if you want to avoid that, if you want a laptop, you can move around and not worry about scratching your hard drive. Look for a solid state drive. Um, Or if you, if the laptop you want doesn't, just be careful with it. So so it is true. You can damage a hard drive less likely than it used to be, but it is still possible. I mean, I'd say that, you know, moving it from like carrying it carefully from one room to another, probably... 99% 99% of the time, it's, you're probably going to be fine. But yeah. there is always that There's risk. There's the 1%. And it, it, all it takes is, is once that you get that disk unbalanced and give it a scratch and your laptop's going to, they're going to be corrupted files. You know, uh, When it happened to me, I could still turn on my laptop and start using it as normally, but then this file would be corrupted or it couldn't find this file or it would just freeze up when I tried to look in this part of the hard drive. So it doesn't completely destroy everything, but it makes things very, very difficult. Mm. Um so yeah, just just be careful, I suppose, is our our advice for Michelle uh, this week. And always have a backup. I know we say this a lot. Always. There's back a up reason stuff. we say it a lot. Yeah.
And that's all the time we have. Episode 18 yeah. is done. In the cans, in the Tupperware container, as we use here at Park Garden Studios. Well, yeah, we don't, we don't have cans. No, no, no. no of course not. <laughs> um, um, yeah. If you uh, do want to follow us, we are on social media. We're on Instagram now. Remind us of that handle again. Uh, Intech Today Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at, uh, sorry, facebook.com slash Intech Today Podcast. And we're also on Twitter at Intech Today Pod. You can find me at SwiftyNZ and Josh. Oh, me. Yeah, uh, that's you. J-W-O-O-O-T. <laughs> Um, and if you want to hear more about what are we talking I've got this right in front of me script script alright uh, if you want to hear more about Apple's new HomePod <laughs> speakers I should know what we talked about last week uh, you can go back and listen to episode 17 we also talked about the UK election and how technology companies were quite involved in that and it turns out the youth vote had a huge influence what on the election know? huge so uh, that's on last week's episode too as well as uh, contact on your smartphone how to change them from phone to phone bit of advice there um, we'll be back next Thursday will you be here? I will be here. Excellent. I'll be here. Great. And um, You should be here too. Yeah, please join us. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, we stream live every Thursday at about two-ish London on time Periscope. on Periscope. Uh, in Tick Today Pods, the, uh, the account and, name there. Yep. Um, and if you're watching us live, then you can download the podcast. Just search In Tick Today, your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next week. If you have any questions or if your tech is making you feel like a bit of a dinosaur, get in touch with us on Twitter. Episode hosting and sponsorship provisioning for this show is provided by Blog Talk Radio. To supercharge your podcast hosting and get the right advertisers for your show, see intech.today slash blogtalkradio. Intech Today is a production of Parktown Studios in London.